Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52, is a cinematic quest to find the whale known as 52, which scientists believe has spent its entire life in solitude calling out on a frequency that is different from any other whale. As the film embarks on this engrossing journey, audiences will explore what this whale's lonely plight can teach us, not just about our changing relationship to the oceans, but to each other. Just a little bit of backstory on this particular whale. It was discovered in 1989 and over the last three decades, 52 has become a global sensation, capturing the hearts of fans around the world. We're joined today by the director of the documentary film, The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52, Joshua Seaman. Welcome to Film School Radio. Uh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. I've had such a good time with this film because I, it not only does it affect us on this kind of knowing about whales, the ocean, but also it's a kind of a, there's a, an emotional pull in this film that's just hard to get away from in terms of just, we are in some ways projecting on 52, but at the same time, we're also not projecting. It's a scientific endeavor as well. So that it has that appeal on, on multiple levels. What inspired you to do this? Because this seems, at, from what I see in the film, seems to have been kind of a crazy notion. What inspired <laughs> this? Um, I had heard about the story it really profoundly affected me i think i had been through a breakup and that was probably my first entree point to the story but really what it was was i would i started to tell people hey have you heard this story about this lonely whale that swims through the ocean calling out never receiving response and people would freak out they would start to cry they would get goosebumps they would go white and i was like wow whales what is it about this story that makes people have such a visual reaction? And, you know, was it man's existential crisis with loneliness? We don't want to die alone. Was it the fact that it's a whale? You know, this creature that is so big that humbles us and he's out in the middle of the vast ocean. And so I really wanted to know more. And, and so I started to kind of like delve into our relationship with whales and what that really means. Like these whales is these humongous creatures that were suddenly we realized we are inconsequential in its presence because they're so big. Um, but then I found that sound in the ocean and whale song is this really peculiar and interesting thread of science. It's filled with mystery and, and intrigue. And also, so when you think about Songs of the Humpback Whale and it, the profound effect that that had on our culture. I mean, when people first heard Songs of the Humpback Whale, you know, that basically kickstarted Greenpeace, started the Save the Whales movement. That started the green movement of today. And here we are using that green movement to probably save the earth from climate change. So yeah, whale song is important. Right. Well, and as you allude to in the film, you know, this goes back to the Bible, right? Jonah and the whale, uh, obviously one of the most consequential uh, novels of in the Western um, civilization is Moby Dick. For me, just personally, I just throw in that the, the fact that there are, we consider ourselves to be the top of the food chain, right? <laughs> we are. But for 
three quarters of the world, they're the top of the food chain. So we have a relationship on that level alone. On land, we're good. On in the ocean, they're they're the ones who who rule the roost. And and then this discovery of th- this increasingly gr- deeper detail and research into just how sentient these these beings are. Right? Yeah. Is that yeah, part I, of it? I mean, of course. I, you know, you realize when making a movie about animals, but especially about whales, you know that human beings are really so self-centered and so self-absorbed and and that's the ideas of anthropomorphizing like we can only understand these creatures in terms of our own experience you know we never wanted to save whales before we heard them sing suddenly we hear this beautiful sound and it's like oh my god this thing sings better than we do we should probably save it instead of destroying it i mean that's how, how horrible we are um but then when you really get into it, you know, it, it's a little bit a kind of a holdover from the pseudoscience of the 1970s. But then is it pseudoscience? Meaning we have this innate feeling that these animals have emotions and are somewhat sentient. But now we finally have the science to confirm it. Whales have spindle cells. Those are the same spindle cells that are in upper primates or in elephants. Those are the cells that allow us to form groups. And it's very interesting how did feelings come about well they come about from group behavior if if you have a group and you're part of a group and suddenly somebody leaves that group you're going to be sad and so can a whale feel loneliness i mean it's 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 an unbelievable question that you can't really even answer in a documentary you may go up on a mountain and meditate for 50 years and then come back with the answer and you still may not know Yes, and there, the research is uncovering culture and, and language and nuances in their, in their way that they go about their lives that is just remarkable. But let's talk about 52. Sure. And let's talk about Bill Watkins. Let's talk about sort of the origin <laughs> story for 52. You know, one of the most intriguing things is when scientists heard this whale on a series of, of classified underwater hydrophones that were used in the Cold War. And it's just like... First, it, again, there's this meme of this lonely whale that like all these people are crying about and 14 year old girls love, you know, but you know, the, the opposite side of the story is found it via classified Cold War equipment. And it's like, even that was super fascinating. I was like, really, there was a, you know, the US government set up these network of SOSIS listening stations around the world to listen for submarines. And then you get into the whole Cold War uh, warfare system and submarines and out of that, you know, what happened was suddenly when the Berlin Wall fell, they didn't know what to use this surveillance system for. So they passed it along to scientists and they said, okay, you know, use it to measure whale song. And from that, we could figure out whale populations. Uh, So that's how they first heard about it. Ironically, they thought it was a submarine uh, because there was no other whale that made this sound. This guy, William Watkins comes in and he's like, I don't think it's a submarine. I think it's a whale. And the Navy is like, but there's no other whale that makes this sound. It's got to be a submarine. He's like, no, I think it's a whale because low frequency whales, which are blue and fin whales, call out at kind of 10 to 15 hertz. And then there's humpbacks, which are closer to shore. Those call out at a higher hertz. So this was in the middle of 52. And they didn't know what it was. And Watkins made this assumption, but he's never able to prove it because we've only heard it. We've never even seen it. Then what happens is ironically enough the cold war the submarine 
Cold War gets restarted. Basically, what happens is the polar ice cap is melting. Once that polar ice cap melts, there is going to be open trench warfare basically in the top of the world through submarines. And so Putin started getting a little aggressive by going in and taking over Ukraine. And in that, he was going for uh, submarine bases and access to the Black Sea. So we had asked this, the Navy if they would help us find the whale with their classified system. And I was like, oh, this would be really good for you guys. It's a great PR thing. Help us find the lily whale. And they weren't having any of it. Um, and because they're like, no, uh, they're like, look, son, I don't know if you know this. The Cold War is restarted. You know, this is about submarine warfare. Get out of here. And then <laughs> so we went to uh, Noah and uh, convinced um, a gentleman by the name of Bob Ziak. He's wonderful. Uh, Bob Ziak. Um, listens to sounds in the ocean. He's actually listening through the SOSIS system. He has special classified clearance to listen for earthquakes um, and for tsunamis and things like that. And he actually got, um, thankfully, got permission to scrub through the data to make sure that we, of course, weren't giving out any uh, of the Chinese submarine sounds, the Russian submarine sounds, and our own submarine. You know, I, if I wanted to, I could have shut down the documentary and then tried for to send, you know, sell some uh, highly <laughs> classified. Exactly. <laughs> I'm stuck with the documentary, and um, yeah. and then you know, but unfortunately, you know, they had they weren't able to hear 52. We thought for a while there that he had died. And, and that's why it took us four years to actually get started. But then we got a call from John Hildebrand from Scripps to say that he had hydrophones set up all around Southern California that he had installed through Scripps and that an intern had been listening and somehow heard 52. Unbelievable story. And, and you know, so I got a call that 52 is still alive and he is off the coast of L.A waiting for his close-up. It's just such an amazing story on so many levels. Uh, and first of all, you describe in your, the film your first encounter with a whale, which I je definitely remember off yeah. the coast, right off the coast of where I am right now in California. What about, what in terms, I mean, this must have had some impact on, on how this film came about, your yeah, encounter the first time. It was that. It really was. I was a young, impressionable kid working on a reproduction of an 18th century schooner out of Boston and we would go to Gloucester you know and Nantucket so it wasn't just seeing a whale for the first time although that was it like that's that epiphany moment and when you talk to people about the first time they see it like they always remember it because it's it is one of those like birth of a child you know seeing a whale like it is it very much an epiphany moment and that's what started it but it was also that just whaling culture to know that we had spent so long killing these creatures and then flipped, turned around. And it's really interesting. There's there's a couple historians who write that there's no other creature that we've had such a relationship with where we've hunted them to close to extinction and then suddenly in the course of 100 years flipped over and revered them as ancient aliens. You know, that does give me some hope for humanity and that we are able to to recognize and grow in some way and to understand things a little bit better. That is the beauty of science. That is the beauty of culture. It's the beauty of people active in, in trying to change people's minds. Uh, the film, again, is called The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52, and it is being released through Bleecker Street Film Distributors. It's out in theaters on 
July 9th, and I recommend you check it out. And it's in a ton of theaters on the 9th, including here in California. There's a half, there's a dozen theater chains that are going to be screening The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52. So be looking for it there, as well as it'll be on demand on the following week on July 16th. So be looking for that as well. Again, I, I can't tell you uh, how much I enjoyed it. It was, it was a blast to watch, not only, as I said, on a lot of different levels. And um, I, uh, so I'm hoping that people turn out. There have been a slew of documentary films lately about whales. You can't get enough. I mean, we're just still learning so much. One quick fun fact, Josh, before I let you go. Tell our listeners how far the whale signal can travel or just that little bit about the communications between whales. Yeah, whale song can travel 13,000 miles across the ocean. What else do you need to know that these are an amazing creature that need yeah, to be yeah, preserved yeah. And, and revered. You know? And revered. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much for the film, uh, The Loneliest Whale, Search for 52. We've been talking with the director, Joshua Zeman. Joshua, thank you so much. Thanks very much, Mike. Much appreciated. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.